What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Carolina Machado on the episode today. I'm so excited. You guys are going to love her accent because she's Brazilian, (laughs) but she lives in Sydney. So it's like super therapeutic and I just love to listen to it. So this is going to be a great episode. Carolina, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Hi, Shelly. I firstly wanted to say a massive thank you for starting this podcast um i listen to i listen to all of the episodes and i listen to all of the new ones and it has helped me so much so i think the first thing that i wanted to say was thank you thank you thank you yes thank you for just taking the time to say that it means everything no so I'll follow the protocol and start my story with a little bit of my background and how everything happened, how I fell in love with my partner and everything. So um, I moved to Australia the first time 12 years ago. I was 24 and I just wanted to live overseas and have an experience in another country. So I came here, lived here for a bit moved back to Brazil and I was there for about three years between 2012 and 2015 and funnily enough I met my partner who is Australian while I was living over there. He went to Brazil for the Soccer World Cup in 2014 and he just decided to spend six months there like just traveling and spending time and really immersing himself in the culture. <laughs> and we actually met the month that he was coming back to Australia. So we kind of only spent two weekends together and we were, we are a Tinder couple. <laughs> so <laughs> we are the modern, <laughs> the modern couple. Um, and it was just one of those things that you never think that it's going to go anywhere. But I had made my decision to come back to Australia, like, before I met him. And I was moving back to Sydney. And he's from Perth. And Perth is on the west side of Australia. So it's about five hours flight from Perth to Sydney. But long story short, two months before, I was coming back. He got a job in Sydney, he moved to Sydney. And then when I arrived, we were just like, well, we're both in the same city, so let's give it a try. And um, this was four years ago, and um, we've been together since. And our journey kind of like trying to have a family. Um, actually never really started 
because we never really said like, yeah, let's do it. Like we're having a child now. So it can sound a bit strange because like, you like, well, but you felt pregnant. Yes, I did. Um, but I was, the first time that I felt pregnant was in March last year, 2018. So I came off the birth control pill in December 17. And then I just downloaded one of those apps that you track your period, your mm-hmm. fertile week and everything. And I was just using that app and I had no idea like about your fertile days and anything. I was just right? like, you learn it in school, but for some reason it just like, really. once you get older, you're like, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, uh, yeah, no, it's like seven days, but I had no clue like which days were like the most dangerous. Um, so anyway, March last year, um, I fell pregnant the first time and it was a bit of a funny thing because I always had a feeling that my first pregnancy wasn't going to go well and simply because my mom had two miscarriages before she had me Um, and when she had hers she was only 23 when she had her first one and then the second one was um, I think similar to some of yours, like some of the stories on the podcast. So she fell pregnant the first time and then she had a miscarriage and she fell pregnant, I think four weeks later, something like that. And then miscarriage again. So I had that feeling that for some reason, my first pregnancy could be a bit of something that wasn't going to um, go well. But anyway, when you get that positive result, you're just like, whoa, Jesus, what's going to happen now? So I got really excited. But Michael, my partner, had left. Like when I first um, got the positive, he had left a week before and he went to climb Everest. And what? Yes, yes, not like go to the top, but he did the um, base camp, which is already massive. Yeah, Yeah. so when I got the positive test, I was like, Holy shit, how do I tell him? Like, or do I tell him, or do I wait until he comes back? So I decided to wait because it is something really full on like to climb all the way to um, <laughs> base camp and I was like I don't want to put him um, into stress thinking that you know oh my god she's back in Sydney by herself because I don't have any family here um, his family is not here his family is also in Perth so I was basically here on my own I've got friends and work colleagues and everything, but relatives or someone close, there was no one. And um, I was 
yeah, it was really hard for me to make the decision if I would tell him or not, but I decided not to. And then I remember the first blood test that I had, my results were only like 12, the BHG. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's low. But the, like in Australia, you first go to a GP. And the GP was just like, well, it's normal. Um, sometimes it takes a little while. Um, just start really doubling or, you know, becoming a high number. So I was like, okay. So two days later, um, I went back again, got another one done. And the second number was something like 34. And then I remember she called me and she's like, look, your numbers are not progressing the way that I would expect. She said, it's now been um, four days since you had your first one and it's only went up to 34. So she's like, I don't want you to panic or I don't want you to um, start thinking that something will happen, but it might happen because... Um, like it wasn't I think she kind of knew that I was going to have a miscarriage but Mm -hmm. she didn't want to say it straight away she just said look let's just do it again tomorrow and then we'll see the results and I did like the next day and I think it was like 86 or something so it wasn't really progressing And that same day when I came home that evening, uh, I started feeling the cramps and back pain. And I was like, well, this isn't any good. So obviously, like everyone else, I went on Google and Google was like, well, usually when you start feeling cramps and back pain could be a sign of miscarriage. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I went to the bathroom and I saw blood, like real blood. So I was like, yeah, this is it. This is a miscarriage. I was shocked and devastated and I didn't know what to do because I was like, well, now I didn't tell Michael that I was pregnant and I'll have to tell him that. I was pregnant and I had a miscarriage. <laughs> he hasn't been here this time. <laughs> Why do I go through this? So it was pretty hard. Um, but I called my parents and my mom because she's had two. She was like, look, these things happen. And she just tried to give me a bit of comfort and sort of like, say look I've had you I've had your sister so don't think this is the end of the world and I'm sure that you can try again and you guys will have a child and everything so I had a couple of pretty bad days that I cried and I was like why why did this happen to me and I didn't do anything wrong and like what everyone goes through. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was kind of like, well, but I had that feeling even before that this may happen to me. So 
I guess my first miscarriage was obviously sad, but uh, I think the second hit me much harder. So, yeah, long story short, Michael came back and I told him I was pregnant. I had a miscarriage. He was like absolutely shocked um, because, again, we were not trying mm-hmm. to get pregnant. It was sort of an accident. But anyway, life went on and I kept tracking my period and everything with the app. But I started sort of like testing the app. So I started like, well, the first day of my fertile window might not be too dangerous. So let's, let's see what happens. Yeah, you're like, so, kind of like more okay with this. Yeah, because yeah. like... After the first miscarriage, we both were like, look, if it happens, Mm -hmm. we'll have a child and whenever happens, we'll be happy. And yeah, like not that we were actively trying, but Mm -hmm. we were kind of more like open to it if it happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Oh, I was going to say, that's what I always say about my my first pregnancy. I was like, the, the good that came out of it is it made me more open and realized how much I wanted to be a mom because oh yeah I wasn't necessarily there before that right yeah I think for us was a bit the same Mm -hmm. and um so we were just like yeah you know if it happens we'll be happy um but we have few things um that we want to do like we might move overseas uh, again because um, Michael is trying to get a job um, in another country. Um, He works for a big bank and there might be an opportunity for us to spend a few years somewhere else. And I guess I I was thinking process like, well, if we fall pregnant before and then like moving to another country halfway through your pregnancy, you start with one GP or with one OB and then you have to change to a new one, a new health system, etc. So it's just a bit like, well, should we wait or we do it now? Anyway, long story again. Um, April this year, with the testing the app, um, I got pregnant again, um, and I was actually due for a papers near and. The day that I was supposed to go, um, my period was two days late. And I'm like, well, my period is super regular. I'm one of those, like, 20 days sharp. It's there always. So because it was two days late, I was like, "Mm, you know, maybe this month something happened. And I didn't think that I was pregnant because, again, I was using the app, but I was sort of playing with the fertile window, like first and last day and just like, no, I've done it before and it didn't happen. So I said, well, to um, make sure that it's just something um, not pregnancy, I went and bought one of those um, chemist tests and I took it in the morning, the day that I had the appointment. And it was positive. And I was like, holy Jesus. 
again. <laughs> it happened again. Uh, so I was like, again, super excited. And I was like, well, because I'm already going to the doctors, I would just ask her for a blood test rather than do the paper smear. Well, I was going to ask her, but when I went to see her, um, some doctors here in Australia, they want to your papers me if there's any chance that you're pregnant. And she's one of them, um, mainly because they feel if something happens, they don't want to feel that um, Why the papers me. Yeah, yeah, the papers me cause the miscarriage. Like they don't want to get the blame if mm-hmm. something happens like a day or two days later just because it's a test that goes inside you and etc. Mm-hmm. So when I saw her, I was like, look, I took a pregnancy test this morning and was positive. So if you can just um, give me the blood test, so we can confirm if it's just like the test being flux or if I'm pregnant. So I did the blood test and the first one I remember was already I don't know, a thousand or two thousand. So it was something like high already. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I think this is real. So I came home and I was like, I have to tell Michael because now I got the blood test that's positive. Um, so in Australia, um, they have something called Australian Football League. And um, it's kind of like a rugby, but it's not a rugby. Like it's the Australian version. And he is obsessed with that. Um, so what I did is I bought a little auntie with the team that he um, supports. And I just wrapped in a pretty little paper. And I left in our bedroom and he got home and he was like, what's this? And I said, oh, it's for you. And then he opened it and it was the baby (laughs) clothes. And he was like, are you pregnant? I said, wow, (laughs) yes. He's like, oh my God, Jesus, Jesus. I think he said Jesus like 30 times in a row. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like stoked. Um, But because I had the first miscarriage, we were sort of like, well, let's just, you know, take it easy and not get overly excited about this or like I mean we decided not to tell our family until we had an ultrasound Um, so it was something that I also asked the doctor if she could um, give me like an early one rather than wait till I think they do the first one here when you're like nine or ten weeks but I told her because I had a miscarriage last year can I do it earlier? She said, yeah, you can do it around seven weeks. And um, if everything's fine, you will hear the heartbeat and everything. So um, I think before that, I, I just did one more blood test to confirm that my numbers were going up. And I think the second result was like 13,000. And she's like, yeah, this is like 100% pregnant. <laughs> um, there's nothing to question. Um, so we went for our first ultrasound and we both sat there and the lady started with the machine and like very quickly she found the heartbeat 
and the baby and she measured and then was everything looking perfect um the heartbeat was the like the ideal one for seven weeks um the size she only said that was measuring a day behind which is that it's totally normal because you may have ovulated a day later than you thought so for us that moment was just whoa so overwhelming and i just felt like wow this is the best thing in the world like hearing that sound and looking at the screen and seeing that tiny little thing there and yeah we came home and i just you know to make sure that everything was okay again started googling and google said if you saw the heartbeat and if the measurement was normal it's 90% guaranteed that you have a healthy safe pregnancy so i was under the impression that everything was going to be perfect and then i think i was 10 weeks it was actually the day that i turned 10 weeks was a saturday i woke up and i went to the toilet and i had a very light pink spotting and i freaked out because of my oh shit what is this mm-hmm. but it wasn't like every time i went to the toilet so like that morning i went to the toilet a few times and it was not every time that i would see the light pink it was only like every second or every third time so i'm like oh maybe this is just you know some old blood or like i started to kind of trying to find excuses that it was not anything that could lead to another miscarriage but then i had a doctor appointment on monday so i just didn't go to the ER or did anything i just decided to wait until monday because i was going to go see the doctor anyway and then on sunday i remember I woke up and it was a very very strange feeling but i didn't have any symptoms like not that i was having bad symptoms but i was having a little bit of like morning nausea like just feeling a little bit off um my boobs were getting bigger and tender and i could feel like my belly already changing and that sunday i woke up and my boobs just felt normal like as as of as if i wasn't pregnant and i didn't have any morning nausea and i'm like oh this is strange but again i wasn't trying to read between the lines i was just like i'll go see the doctor tomorrow everything will be fine i was just trying to really think positive and not worry much but it was just my body giving me the signs that something wasn't right so we went to see the doctor um monday morning and like we sat down and she asked me how's how's it going how are you feeling and i told her like well everything was fine up until saturday 
like two days ago. Um, I started having a bit of light pink spotting. I said, oh, no, don't worry. It's normal. A lot of women have these the early weeks and blah 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 and I was like yeah but then the next day I just didn't feel any of the symptoms and she like she saw that I was worried and she's like well let's go and do the ultrasound straight away like she had one in her in her room so I sat there and as soon as she started and like this screen was right on my face and Michael was in the room with me and Michael said that he was watching her um, and she tried for probably like 30 seconds, a minute and she saw the baby, like we saw the baby and I looked in the screen and it was just not moving, not doing anything, it was just an image and she like she tried hard and around and around and Michael said that he could see on her face straight away that something was wrong um, I was looking at the screen I, I didn't really look at her face but then she turned around and she said look um, I can't find the heartbeat but my machine is not uh, the most modern one. So I'll send you to um, the next door guys because they have like the imaging um, and the solution and the ultrasound that they have made much better than mine. And um, they will just check and you come back here, but at that stage, I knew, I knew that the baby didn't have a heartbeat. Like she tried and tried and it was obvious, but she just didn't want to say it straight away. So we went to um, the next door room and um, it was another lady, like she was super lovely and she just, yeah got her machine on and started checking and it was the same. It was just like the baby there, but nothing happening. Like no movement, no heartbeat. And she, um, like she was silent in the beginning. And when I just started looking at that image, I just burst into tears. I could not hold off and I was just crying and crying and she just touched my arms and she was like, I'm so sorry. Um, she said, look, I've been through this and I've got two beautiful children. So I'm sure that you will have one. And she said, I know it's so hard and so sad and she actually had like tears in her eyes too um so she spent the next five minutes just like measuring the baby measuring everything and um and i was sobbing and she left us um just michael and i 
in the room for a bit and we both just cried and cried and cried and it was like I don't know the worst the worst thing that I've ever been through in my life because I really I was 100% 100% sure that I was having that baby and I bought clothes I started like thinking about names and what we're going to do. Um, we had decided that it was going to be a surprise. Um, we didn't want to find out the gender. Um, so I started buying like neutral baby clothes. Um, after the first ultrasound, we told our family, um, told my parents, Back in Brazil, my sister, she's got a little boy that is two. And yeah, like everyone was super excited. And my parents were actually like planning to come over for the baby's birth. And yeah, it was just everything like this beautiful plan and everything was going to work so well. But no it didn't yeah it's like taken away that's what it's yeah. just like robbed oh, mm-hmm. the feeling was just oh it felt like someone was really like stabbing me like it was a pain that I have never felt like as I said I think my first pregnancy um because I had that at the back of my mind um I did feel sad and I did cry but it wasn't like this one like this one hit me so hard and I was just like why why like I think my first when I got home after that appointment oh well actually I went back to see the OB when it was confirmed that there was no heartbeat the baby now actually stopped growing at nine weeks so it was a week before the appointment and the doctor told me you've got two options um, um, I know you guys in the US um, you usually get offered to take the pill but here she only offered me the natural or the GNC I don't think they really recommend you to take that pill Mm-hmm. which I think it's great because the stories that I've heard on your podcast are just right? like terrifying. I know. I'm like, if, if anything, I have learned not to take that pill. Is that chill? <laughs> Definitely. Never, never. So she actually told me, she said, look, because you've had one miscarriage already, um, even though you're only six weeks, oh, yeah, I forgot to say I was only six weeks, actually like five and a half when I had the first one. Um, so she said, because you had one already, your cervix has already dilated before. So it should be sort of easy for you if you want to try it natural, if you just want to go home and wait until it's time. But she did say, look, it's a baby that is now nine weeks. So it can be a little bit more than just blood um, or like 
cloth like it was the first time. Um, and your second option is the DNC. And she said it would be my recommended option for you, um, especially because with the DNC, we can send the baby for genetic testing. And we can try and find the reason why you had this miscarriage. So I just thought, hello, give me a day and uh, I'll call you because I think at that moment I couldn't even function. I couldn't even think like how I wanted to have the baby out of my body. I was just like so shocked and I, I could not make any decision. So I went home and I was just like, I think that day just felt the world had stopped and I had to tell my boss that I had a miscarriage and I wasn't coming to work. And he was super supportive. He just messaged me back and he said, I'm so sorry and take the time that you need. Um, like if you need to take a day, a week, like whenever you feel that you still need time for yourself, just do it. Don't worry about work at all, please. And I remember for the next two days, I was basically like getting up, having a shower, laying in bed. I've got a little dog. Uh, he's a little cocker spaniel. He was by my side all day. So we were just like laying in bed. And that's when I found your, I actually found your YouTube first because I just started Googling and like trying to find comfort and find women that have been through the same and had like positive stories in the end because at that point I was just like, I don't know, like if it happened the second time, is it going to happen again? And like, I was just, I don't know if I can go through this again. It's just so, so hard. Anyway, I think I spent like at least two days in bed watching YouTube videos um, and just, you know, really crying and I barely ate. And Michael, on the other hand, he spent a day at home with me and like trying to make sure that I was okay and coming every half an hour, do you need anything, do you need water? Because um, he, he felt that I really needed a time for myself. Like I didn't want to talk, I didn't want to interact. I just wanted to be by myself, like that feeling I could not share with anybody. Like it was just my grief and my boy, like really feeling that punch that some like that we felt. Anyways, I called the doctor the next day and I decided to do the DNC because I wanted to get the um the tests. Um, 
done and she booked me in for um, two days later so after the miscarriage she was like five days after the miscarriage after I went and had no heartbeat so I got the DNC um, was my first surgery ever and all the nurses all the doctors they were all like super lovely and really making sure that you know I was fine and looking after me and I I can't say anything bad about them they were really really trying to make me feel special and looked after um, so after the DNC um, she sent the baby for the tests and then um, I went back to work I think four days after and I told all my colleagues because um, I'm not a type of person that can keep things for myself I work in public relations so we talk a lot and <laughs> I think we share stories and regardless if it's our client stories or our stories um, we feel the need to share and also because um, I feel like miscarriage has this stigma that oh you can't talk about it and it's like it's so so wrong because so many women go through this and I think we are slowly breaking this barrier and I think our generation is being much more open about it. I think back in the days, it was almost like a sin if you had a miscarriage. Um, like they made women feel really bad because of that. But mm -hmm. I think for our generation, because it happens so often to so many of us, I think it's just slowly becoming something that, women are more open to share and more open to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a massive, a massive benefit for all of us because, yeah, like, as I said, finding a podcast gave me so much hope and so much information, like things that I would never, ever know. And like listening to the other women that um, have spoken about it you start learning about all the blood tests that you can do like the folate and the folic acid and everything like things mm -hmm. that are not spoken um so i think it's really great that you know more women are feeling okay to speak about their miscarriage and feel that you know it's not the worst like it is the worst thing for us to go through it but I mean it's it feels good to talk and to share because you can help another woman or you know someone that is going or will be going through it one day yeah um, so back to the baby um, we had the results um, from the genetic testing and our baby had the trisomy 22 so it's a chromosomal abnormality 
and according to my OB, um, it's pretty common on women that are above 35. So I just turned 36 uh, last May. Um, and I'm totally aware that the older you get, the higher are your chances of having a miscarriage or having the chromosomal abnormalities. Um, and she also found out that we were having a boy. And uh, it's like amazing that I knew from day one there was a boy. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that motherly feeling. And um, I knew from day one that this baby was a boy. Um, but she said that trisomy 22 is a non-survival um, chromosomal abnormality. So I would miscarriage like regardless. Um, so did that, what I just... Do you feel like that gave you like some closure knowing? Well, that's what she's like. When I went to see her, she was like, look, this is like pretty much something totally out of your control, control. out of your Mm -hmm. control it's just true like your chromosomes with micro chromosomes getting together and just not working properly so she said there was nothing nothing that you could do to prevent this and i felt like okay this is good but at the same time i was just like you know what I want to do all the tests, like everything that are available, just to take all the boxes. Because listening to your podcast, um, I know your story, you had a bit of problem with your thyroid. Um, and then there were all the stories with uh, the blood clotting and few things that are so easy to... Um, mm-hmm getting to either baby aspirin or take the folate rather than um, the folic acid and like simple solutions. So I was just like, well, okay, fine that this trisomy 22 was out of my control. I still want to do all the blood tests just because I want to take all of the boxes. So we did, um, the only result that I haven't got yet is the karyotype. Um, also because Michael has to do his, so we can compare. Uh, but all the others were perfectly normal. But just for reassurance, I decided to go see a reproductive endocrinologist just to see what he had to say. And um, he just basically told me the same. Um, But the only thing that he added to the list was that um, ultrasound that I think you've spoken about before, the one that they sort of put a liquid inside your uterus Mm -hmm. and light it up just to see if there's any fibrosis or clotting or something that it's not easy to uh, to see with a normal 
um, ultrasound. So um, I'm gonna do that in a couple of weeks because you have to wait until mm -hmm. you get your period and then you book the first day that you get your period so they know that you're not pregnant. Yep. And yeah, so that's where we are at at the moment. Um, we are not trying, um, but we have decided that once we get all of these results back and if there's nothing there, like no underlying conditions that we need to be aware or that we need to treat, um, ahead of falling pregnant again, um, we will go ahead and do it and um, we'll hopefully have a 2020 baby. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be a very special year being 2020. I think yeah. there's something, there's something, something about it. About <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, and I think we'll be pretty cool for the, like, for yeah. the kid to say, I was born in 2020. <laughs> I agree. Oh, oh, that's awesome. You are yeah. like a true story of advocating for yourself. So I'm super proud of you for doing that. Yeah. And I think I have to say, like, it's, 100% like thanks to your podcast and to every single other woman that have shared these stories. Like I, I can't even describe how much you guys have really helped and like sharing all the information and all the tests and everything like has gave me, like has really opened up my world. Like I was just you know not aware of I think 90% of um, any of those so mm -hmm. yeah I like know. it has been amazing and um I yeah and now you're I think, that for somebody else which is so cool yeah so, so you're Really? You're a part of that. So I cool. feel very honored to you know, <laughs> be sharing my story now. And I hope that my story will help um, some of them. And I know you're going to ask me. Yeah, I was like, advice. it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Just lay it out there. <laughs> so I think the first thing that I would say is um, love yourself love your body um, I know it's so hard for us to understand uh, when we have the miscarriage but I think maybe two or three weeks ago you had a Aussie a Aussie woman there that was a yoga teacher mm -hmm. um, and she was so positive and like the way that she spoke about it it really made me feel like wow it is like the woman body is an amazing machine and to be able to grow a life inside you it's something that we should be so so proud of and I think the fact that our body gives us signs that you know for some reason our babies are not going to be perfect and healthy and for that reason the pregnancy doesn't progress is something that it's amazing like mm -hmm. it is i think it's very important that 
we love ourselves, we love our body. We are the only humans that can have life, like can have another life inside yeah. you. And this is something that I can't wait to get to that final line mm-hmm. um, and have my rainbow. And I think the other advice is, as you just said, like really advocate for yourself. Like don't settle with the first answer. Like if someone says, oh yeah, no, this is normal. Just go home and try again or do it again. Like if you don't feel 100% confident that, you know, it's the right thing to do, just go and look for a second opinion, a third opinion, speak to different people, Mm-hmm. talk like talk and ask questions and don't feel afraid that you know you're being a pest or yeah you're being annoying it's, it's okay to doctor hop yeah yeah totally I there, and there's i think this feeling like we can't do that but like we can <laughs> yeah definitely yep. and i think you are like a great example like you change doctors a few times and mm-hmm. you were just asking questions and trying to you know find more about it and i think that that's that's what we can do and that's what we should be doing yeah yeah i said total of four doctors everyone so wow do do what you gotta do <laughs> yeah yeah oh, like until you feel that 100 percent confident that you know you find you found the doctor that understands you and is giving you the answers or is trying to find like with you trying to investigate mm-hmm. yeah yep that's totally that's agree. We, yeah that's what we should be um, now if somebody yeah now if somebody wants to reach out to you and just like relate or ask you questions is instagram the best way to do that yeah so okay. i am always on instagram um my instagram meets um Zero seven Carolina M for mom. Mm-hmm. So Carolina is C A R O L I N A M. I know you, you you can link on yep. um, the podcast, and you also see some cute puppy photos. I was gonna <laughs> say, you guys, her dog is super cute. So. Oh, he is <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> If anything, head over there to look at her dog because it's totally worth it. He's really cute. He is. He's just my bunch of joy. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story and working with me and my hot mess of getting my schedule together. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. I I know that Australia time is always, (laughs) always a challenge. Thank you so much. No, I thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Take myself, take my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.